Welcome to the third podcast in our Global Business Crime Outlook podcast series. My name is Andrew Chung and I'm a partner in our Linklater's dispute resolution practice based in Hong Kong. I'm joined today by my colleagues Satinda Dogra and Kirsten Wilhelm, who are also partners in our dispute resolution team based in the UK and Germany. Eric Liu, who is the managing partner of our joint PRC law firm Jiaosheng, as well as counsel Michael Lampson, who's based in Hong Kong. In this podcast, we'll be discussing sanctions developments across four jurisdictions, the US, the PRC, the UK, and the EU, that have affected our clients in Asia. So on that note, Mike, let's start with the PRC-focused US sanctions developments over the past 12 to 18 months. Andrew. There was a real flurry of activity over the last few months of the Trump administration with respect to U.S. sanctions focused on the PRC and Hong Kong. Now, generally speaking, only U.S. persons, citizens, green card holders, and U.S. incorporated companies and their foreign branches are bound by U.S. sanctions. But in certain circumstances, non-U.S. businesses and individuals can be caught, particularly if they are providing significant support to a sanctioned person or there is some U.S. nexus. Much of the focus from the U.S. side has been on human rights and the situation in Hong Kong. The U.S. has used authority under the Global Magnitsky Act, which targets human rights abuses and corruption, to impose asset freezing sanctions on individuals and entities in the Xinjiang region. Following the enactment of the Hong Kong Autonomy Act and related legislation, the U.S. also established a Hong Kong sanctions program, under which a number of Hong Kong and PRC officials were sanctioned for activities that from a U.S. perspective have reduced Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy. The Trump administration also established a so-called Communist Chinese Military Company sanctions program last fall. These sanctions restrict U.S. persons from engaging in transactions in publicly traded securities of designated CCMCs globally. One such designated CCMC, electronics company Xiaomi, recently obtained a temporary restraining order in a U.S. court to stop the implementation of the CCMC designation. It's too early to tell whether this will lead to a flood of litigation, but it's certainly a space to watch as other CCMC designees consider pressing for relief. So what's in store for U.S. sanctions under the Biden administration? The dust-up in Alaska between the U.S. and PRC and the continued focus on human rights in Hong Kong seems to demonstrate that the current administration does not appear ready to let these sanctions programs fade away. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Now, the PRC authorities haven't taken these developments lying down. On 9 January this year, the Chinese Ministry of Commerce published rules that have been described as blocking rules and imposed a series of its own sanctions on the UK, EU and the US just last week. Eric, can you provide an overview of the blocking rules and touch on the recent PRC sanctions that were announced. Thanks, Andrew. Um, The blocking rules were issued to counteract unjustified extraterritorial application of foreign laws, which are understood to mainly refer to US sanctions. The blocking rules apply to situations where the application of foreign sanctions, one, is extraterritorial, two, violates international laws and the basic principles of international relations, and three, unjustifiably prohibits or restricts PRC persons from dealing with persons of a third state. The PRC persons under the blocking rules means Chinese citizens and Chinese entities, 
and include Chinese branches and subsidiaries of foreign persons, but do not include foreign subsidiaries of PRC persons or any person and entities established in Hong Kong or Macau. It is worth noting that foreign sanctions caught by the blocking rules will have to prohibit transactions between PRC persons and the persons in a third state rather than the state issuing the sanctions. Any PRC person prohibited or restricted by foreign sanctions must report to MOC within 30 days, failing which the PRC person may be subject to penalties imposed on by PRC authorities. If the PRC authorities are of the view that the relevant foreign sanctions have been unjustifiably applied, they may issue a prohibition order to refuse to accept, execute, or observe the relevant foreign sanctions. Once a prohibition order is issued, if any person complies with the relevant foreign sanctions, which results in PRC persons' interest being infringed, the affected PRC persons can bring in action against such person for compensation in PRC courts. In addition, if there's any foreign judgment or arbitration award which is made based on the relevant foreign sanctions and has infringed the PRC person's interests, the PRC persons may bring an action against any person benefiting from such foreign judgment or arbitration award for compensation in PRC courts. The Chinese government has recently declared sanctions on individuals and entities in the US, EU, and the UK. While it is still very early to tell where it will lead to, it appears clear that the Chinese government may regard some issues like climate change or market access negotiable. But for some fundamental issues like Hong Kong and Xinjiang issues, the PRC government is unlikely to compromise. International investors which have business or presence in China should closely monitor the development of those issues and very carefully assess the associated risks and the implications. For example, some global fast retailing companies like H&M have been removed from the major online shopping platforms in China like Alibaba as a result of the tension between BCI and the Chinese government. Thanks, Eric clearly a highly fluid situation. Okay, shifting to the UK and continental Europe. Starting with Kirsten, we know that Europe has had blocking regulations in place for many years, uh, although there's been more attention on them recently since the US pulled out of the Iranian nuclear deal. Can you provide an overview of the blocking regulation and any recent developments? Well, the EU blocking regulation is a constant hot topic which should be on the radar of all EU natural and legal persons. In essence, the EU blocking regulation is meant to protect EU persons from being obligated to comply with US extraterritorial legislation and to ensure that their business decisions remain free from the influence of those secondary sanctions, which EU law does not recognize as applicable to those persons. This aim shall particularly be achieved by a so-called prohibition against compliance in Article 5 of the regulation, which prevents all EU persons and companies from complying with the US sanctions listed in its annex in any way. 
Thus, compliance with U.S. sanctions against, for example, Iran may result in the committing of an offense by the violation of the blocking regulation. And the penalties for failing to comply with the blocking regulation vary amongst the EU member states. Whereas a small number of member states have not implemented any penalties, other member states have penalties ranging from fines to imprisonment or even both. And the EU blocking regulation is of significant practical relevance because EU persons can easily find themselves in a situation where they run the risk of violating the blocking regulation if they are involved in transactions or business dealings with counterparties who ask them to act in accordance with US sanctions. In practice, we are often seeing this in banking or finance transactions. And although this poses a challenge, there are ways to avoid being in breach of the EU blocking regulation. So in cases where there is such sanctions provision included in an agreement to which an EU person is party, an appropriate carve-out should be included. And this needs to be carefully worded in the individual case so that it will protect both the party agreeing to comply with sanctions provisions and the party requiring the sanctions provisions. Interesting, Kirsten. Some potential lessons for us as we think about the PRC blocking rules, but also some important differences. So, Tinder, we know the UK has its own sanctions regime and post-Brexit has its own blocking regulation as well. Is there an alignment between the EU in terms of approach or is the UK charting a new path? So there is significant UK alignment with EU sanctions, including, as you've noted, with the blocking regulation. As matters stand, all existing EU sanctions have been incorporated directly into UK law. Now, I expect that to continue as the UK will most likely remain aligned with the EU on important issues of foreign policy. And we've seen this very recently, as you said, with sanctions against individuals in China and Myanmar. The devil, though, Andrew, will be in the detail. We've already seen some important differences in the scope of the UK regime, particularly with respect to Russia, where the sectoral sanctions, for example, prohibit in the UK a wider range of brokering activities and financial assistance in respect of trade with Russia than the equivalent EU regulations. The other thing with the UK, Andrew, is that we're also now seeing a slow but definite growth in enforcement activity. And this comes from our Office of Financial Sanctions Implementation, or OFSI, which has civil fining powers, which it is now used in a number of cases. Under recent new leadership as well, OFSI has made clear that it intends to take a more aggressive approach against suspected sanctions breaches. And those breaches under its civil fining powers only have to be established, Andrew, on a balance of probabilities rather than beyond all reasonable doubt. So while this is all some way short of the broad axe wielded by OFAC, UK sanctions enforcement is on the up and it is very much a case of watch this space. Thanks very much, Satinda. Clearly an area that will be important to monitor in the coming months. Thank you to all of you for listening. If you're interested in finding out more, You'll find lots of helpful resources on business crime and investigations on the Linklater's website. Our next podcast will be on trends in the global fight against money laundering. We're also hosting monthly webinar sessions on different business crime topics, so look out for those email invitations. Finally, if you'd like to get in touch with one of the team, then please do reach out to any one of us. Mm-hmm.